then when I got here, it opened my eyes to this whole other world of mindfulness, which was kind of the missing piece to my wellness puzzle. And then after I found that and my mind was stretched by this new experience of of finding meditation and really that self-love piece, I couldn't go back to ballet after having experienced that. I needed to hone that before I could go back essentially. So then I just stayed in LA and have been focusing on that mindfulness aspect of wellness pretty much ever since. And then that led me into yoga. Welcome to Let's Thrive, a lifestyle podcast meant to expand your consciousness with new age wisdom, advice, empowerment, and inspiration. I'm your host, Emily Feichels, and tune in every Wednesday for an insightful conversation with guests whom are just like you and me, trying to figure out this crazy world we live in. Enough said, let's thrive. Hello and welcome back to Let's Thrive. I'm your host, Emily Feichels, and if you're new here, welcome. I hope you enjoy the content. And if you're an oldie and goodie, thank you for coming back time and time again. I appreciate you all so much. As you listen to this one, I will be in Malibu at the Almost 30 podcast retreat, and I'm just I'm excited. I know I don't sound too excited right now, but that's because I'm pre-recording this the day (laughs) I'm leaving for vacation and there's a lot to do and my mind is just a scrambled mess. But I'm excited. You know, it's a retreat, but it's not like I'm going to be lounging around doing nothing the whole time. They have these amazing speakers coming and like the days are packed full of activities and workshops and, you know, events with these speakers from, you know, Jordan Younger of The Balanced Blonde to Kelly Levesque and you know, workouts with Aubrey Winters, and it's going to be amazing. I'm so excited, and it was actually, like, a good thing for me to do for myself because I have such a fear around money, and, you know, I never want to do things for myself. I, you know, I have this, like, I guess base fear of always being, like, selfish, doing things for myself, but something made me do it. I saved up the money, you know, paid for the trip, now I'm going and I'm going to relax, yes, but I'm also going to learn and expand and grow and I'm so excited. I should be posting on Instagram, we'll see. I don't know how the service is there, but nevertheless, it'll be interesting to follow along because I'm sure some neat travel experiences are going to happen for certain. Plus, it'll just be like a good way to connect with people and make friends and get out of my comfort shell of being (laughs) antisocial. So we'll see how that goes. And it, you know, kind of works out that this podcast is coming out while I'm traveling because today's guest, Alexandra Polin, is just back. Actually, I'm not certain at this time. Don't mark my words, but she was just in Israel and she travels all over. So, you know, kind of synchronicity there, but... It was actually so funny because we meant to record this a long time ago, but between my travels and her travels, we rescheduled like four times. So then we finally sat down about a month ago, recorded this, and it's coming out now. I'm so excited for you guys to listen. And if you don't know who she is, you'll hear all about her in this one. And I'll give a brief intro, but she started out dancing. She comes from, you know, a family and ballet specifically. She eventually went on to dance with the American Ballet Theater, and if you're like me and have no clue what this, like, means, she explains in the podcast that it's pretty much the Harvard of the ballet world. So, you know, that was a big honor for her. She was so, you know, 
excited to be in it for that part of her life. But then as you'll hear in the podcast episode, some things happened and she wound up out west embracing this fully like holistic, spiritual, you know, just more in tune with yourself lifestyle of yoga and meditation and, you know, mindfulness. And it's been a beautiful transformation and you'll hear, you know, all about that. You'll, you know, also hear us touch on the idea of body image and how it's displayed in modern culture, especially with her coming from the ballet background and now teaching ballet to young girls. And I just think it's a very interesting conversation, you know, coming from someone who struggled with it and then how she's now doing her part to help these young girls fight through that stigma, you know, fight through that conditioning of modern society to look, act, be a certain way. And I just really love that one. She also teach, like, walks through her meditation practice and how she got into it and gives tips on how to like better your own because as you'll hear me say in here I try to meditate and (laughs) fail which I know you can't really fail but I kind of do nevertheless she gives such a good like breakdown of how she does it and just some tips that I found helpful for myself she also mentions the untethered soul and if you guys follow me on instagram you know that i was recently obsessed with it still am although i'm done reading it now and we just talk about how with these self-help books she found it better to listen to them on audible so that's what i did and sure enough i finished it so fast it captivated my attention i mean the untethered soul like i think everybody needs to read it because if they did the world would be a better place wow talk about I mean, I can't even form words because I don't know how to explain it because he explains it so well. And I'm blanking at the author's name right now, but I will try to link it below. Just trust me, get it on Audible. You'll listen to it, you know, in like two to three days or get the book if you like the book. I have one if you want to buy it from me. (laughs) It is so freaking good. Mind expansion, personal development, personal growth, but it's just like it connects you back to your soul and I can't even explain it highly recommend that and I'm so thankful that she like brought that up and you know suggested I try the audible version because wow talk about a mindset shift and literally like looking at life a different way now I'm blown away next I'm reading Becoming Supernatural by Dr. Joe Dispenza and I already have a feeling that's going to leave me the same way we'll see but yes so In this podcast, you'll hear us, you know, cover so many topics from meditation to yoga to travel, her experience in ballet, how she's, you know, embraced this new holistic, mindful, spiritual life in California, and she's just an inspiring, lovely soul, and I'm so honored to have talked with her. If you want to follow along, she's on Instagram at the, at healthy underscore ballerina, she also has a blog with lots of resources, recipes, you know, all the all the jazz. You can find me on Instagram at thrive underscore on life. If you like today's episode, take a screenshot, share it on Instagram, tag us both, or go on iTunes, leave a rate, review, or subscribe. Helps the show, helps people find the show, helps me just grow the show and, you know, get even more guests. I appreciate it so much. I appreciate you for even listening. Without any more rambling on my end, let's dive right into this conversation with Alexandra. Hi. 
How are you? <laughs> good. I'm so glad we're finally meeting. I felt so bad the last time. Oh my God. I just like slept through it completely. And then I woke up and I was like, where am I? It's so okay. It was funny because that morning I just had a feeling. I was like, I feel like it's not going to happen. And it was okay because I was so busy that day too. And so then like it honestly all worked out. I've had that happen one other time too. And everything worked out for the better. So <laughs> <laughs> amazing as it always does <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean just thank you for rescheduling so many times with me I know this was a rigmarole uh <laughs> like it's so crazy this time of year for everyone so <laughs> what is one thing that has made you smile today today um well I got to sleep in so that's always <laughs> normally I'm like up super early getting ready to teach and take ballet class so I got to wake up and just take my time and journal and I'm starting to pack. I'm going on a trip to Israel. So I'm, this is like the best part of a trip is right before when you're excited. So I'm just really excited for my trip. That is so neat. So what's a typical day in your life look like? You mentioned you get up early to teach ballet or. Um, so usually my typical day, I don't get up super early. I would say I get up around 7.45. I have like three alarms. <laughs> um, I'm not the biggest morning person, but I try to be. Um, so I try and get up with enough time so that I can meditate, take care of myself, make coffee, eat breakfast, all of that before I get on with my day. I find that if I take time to set myself up for a good day, I often have a good day. <laughs> so yeah, I wake up and I... Meditate. I usually like to be pretty quiet in the mornings. Like I don't love chit-chatting a lot because I like to kind of, you know, keep that dreamlike state going as long as possible. So I kind of wake up and make my coffee and then I sit on a little cushion and I meditate for at least five to ten minutes. And then, um, yeah, I eat and I teach a yoga class typically. And then right from there I go to ballet class and then that's kind of like my everyday staple and then after that it varies like I have different meetings or um just various stuff that I do for my blog and school and everything else that I do or rehearsals or whatever it is it's like always different that's I always love hearing people's like you know the loose day-to-day -day routine they have because it just yeah. varies so much depending on where you live and you know, what your interests are. So I love hearing, hearing that. <laughs> and I think because my schedule is so day to day, it's different for me. I have to have a consistent morning and that kind of gives me a routine and a regularity that I crave while having the freedom of doing what I want the rest of the day. So like, no, I, that. yeah, I agree. If my morning routine gets like upset, <laughs> some reason I get so upset <laughs> like my whole day just feels so out of whack so I think if your alarm doesn't go off and you don't have time to do everything it's like ah. exactly yeah <laughs> okay so for anyone unfamiliar with who you are do you mind giving just like a brief synopsis of who you are what you do and yeah <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, well my name is Alexandra Pullen I'm a professional ballet dancer, previously in the court of ballet with American Ballet Theater. 
Um, now I am a wellness blogger and yoga teacher, and I'm also getting back into dance, which is really exciting. So that's kind of the gist of what I do. Uh, my blog is mostly about health and wellness and has kind of shifted into self-care, self-love, and um, more you know, like spirituality and that sort of thing as well. Just like whole body, mind, body, spirit, wellness is like my jam. <laughs> yeah. And that, that's why I wanted to have you on the podcast because your like, your journey through the years has just been amazing and I love it. So going back a bit, when did your passion for ballet begin and that whole chapter of your life? Just could you take us back and walk us through that? Sure. So my mom was actually also a court of ballet member with American Ballet Theater, which for people who don't know much about the ballet world, American Ballet Theater is like the Harvard of ballet. Like it's very big name, very prestigious. So it's, it's a big deal to be associated with that organization. Um, so growing up, it was like this amazing sparkly thing about my mom that I really admired. And I grew up with pictures of my mom in various ballet, um, in various ballets just um, on our wall. And I always admired it a lot. And I always wanted to do ballet. And my mom was like, eh, I don't know. <laughs> She's like, ah, why don't you do soccer? Like something else, because she knew how hard it was to be the realities of being a ballet dancer. And I was like, mommy, I want to do ballet. I want to do ballet. And I begged and begged and begged. And then she finally let me go. And I loved it. I just, I love, there are videos of me from when I was like five and I first started. And I'm just like living my best life, like so free. And then I started training and I started getting really good at it. I had a very natural um, kind of ability, just the way I was born. I have this natural affinity for dance and for ballet, there's a very specific body type. And I think my mom saw that I had those things. So it was exciting to her that I could potentially be a dancer as well professionally. So then she got really into it and then ball kept rolling and then everything happened really fast and I became a professional. <laughs> That's <And>, pretty much <laughs> Yeah, I was just gonna say, and I mean, during that time, I believe what you were 16 and you moved to New York City. Yeah. Out to like go on your own. That's that, I was just wondering, so did this kind of create like an unusual upbringing for you since you were, I feel like you almost had to grow up a lot quicker than most kids do. And I'm just curious if that is true. <laughs> well, I want to preface it by saying that I had a lovely childhood and I wouldn't change anything for the world. However, my childhood was very strange, as in not ordinary. Um, I just missed out on a lot of the experiences that everyone around me experienced. So I had some friends, I had a couple friends at school, but we didn't spend time together because I was always at ballet and I was left out of a lot of things. And then, you know, I never went to prom. I never went to school dances. I never went to a football game. I never did any of that stuff. I never got in trouble. I never smoked pot. I never, like, I never did any of those things that you, everyone does when they're in school, apparently. Um, and I also was, I wasn't homeschooled exactly, but I, I always joke that I was homeschooled because I'm like socially awkward sometimes, but I was, I did school remotely in high school. So I didn't actually go to school except for maybe an hour 
or two to do like labs and stuff. So I missed out on like the high school experience. So when I watch movies about it, I'm like, oh, so that's what it was like. Or like, um, so yeah, I, I just had a different experience and it forced me to grow up really, really quickly. I was, I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago. So I would take the train by myself or with friends every day after school. I would leave school early. I would go on the train. I would go train till 9 p.m. Then I would either take the train back or maybe sometimes someone would pick us up if we were lucky. <laughs> and then I would come home and do homework till midnight and then get up at five. And like, it was, it was a very hectic time. Wow. <laughs> You're making me tired just talking about it. No, I always joke that the reason why I'm five, two and a half is because I didn't sleep my whole childhood because I was just doing homework in ballet. Cause the rule in my house was you had to make straight A's if you wanted to go to ballet or to football or whatever your extracurricular. My brother's an actor and he's actually on Broadway now. He's starring in To Kill a Mockingbird. And my mom was really strict with him as well. Like you can't go to play practice unless you have good grades. And I think it really made us hardworking. Well, that sounds like a very interesting family dichotomy too. I mean, that's, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. My, my mom's really incredible. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, so I guess during that time, I mean, you know, going from ballet and then, like you said, you weren't necessarily a social person in yeah. school or just in general. Did you experience any body image issues during this time, whether, you know, that was just in the eyes of society or in the ballet world or both? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I guess in school, I always felt it's interesting because in school, there's this pressure to like develop and like look like the other girls and look like you're growing up. But in ballet, it's the opposite. So at school, I would feel like, oh, I wish like I looked like the other girls and looked more womanly or whatever. And then I would get to ballet and then it would be the opposite. So I think from a young age, I felt this sense of not belonging either way or like not feeling happy wherever I went because there is a different standard of beauty in these two worlds that I was living in. And I think for a lot of, I mean, young girls in general, body image issues, as you know, start very young. Um, but with the added pressure of ballet, I think it just kind of made it tenfold, that pressure. I remember the first time I thought that I was fat, I was in second grade. And I, I distinctly remember it. And I remember my friends were like, you're crazy. And I just, I remember being like, no, I'm not. Like, this is true. And that was kind of the beginning of this dysmorphic relationship to my body. Um, and it's something that I still deal with today. I don't think it's ever fixed. And I think that's also something that people need to be honest about is that I don't wake up every single day loving every single thing about my body all the time. I think that's unrealistic. And that's another way to control how women feel about their bodies, right? So my goal is to kind of, I really love this wave of body neutrality where it's just like, this is my body and I love it because it functions and it works and it's healthy and it's my body and that's it. Because when I was, you know, in a similar place and everyone was saying like preaching body love and all this stuff and I'm like, I honestly don't know if there's ever a day where I could just like, fully love everything about me and my body. But then I heard someone say, and they said like, 
if you can't make it to body love, like at least make it to body acceptance. And I was like, okay, like I can accept that. Like, this is me right now, you know, and yeah, just like sit with it, accept it. And some days I feel great. Other days I, you know, (laughs) don't want to appear on social media at all. Like it's just finding that in between, I guess. And that sounds like kind of what you're at too. Yeah, that's definitely what I'm aiming for. I just see a lot of, especially on Instagram, there's a lot of body shaming and female shaming kind of in the other way where it's this idea of, oh, don't get Botox. You're not a feminist if you don't want your wrinkles. You're, you know, you're adhering to these ridiculous beauty standards. But it's like, if a woman wants to do that, that's her prerogative. And you controlling what she's doing is just another way to feed into the patriarchy of controlling women. So just like, let people be. It's okay to want to lose weight. It's okay to want to be healthier, but just love yourself as you are as best you can. So that's kind of where I'm at and my goal now. I 100% agree with that. And yeah, I (laughs) preach it. I love it. (laughs) So if I'm correct, you teach ballet to like younger, younger girls, right? Yeah, itty bitties. <laughs> they're so cute when they're on your story. <laughs> oh my god, I'm obsessed with them. Yesterday was our last day. I I cried a little bit. It's so, oh. they grow up so fast. It's just like, I was not prepared emotionally for this part of the job where, or one of my, uh, one of the best students, she's so sweet. She's quitting ballet next year, so I won't see her. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, how is this possible? Uh, but it's really, it's really fulfilling. I love it. Now, with them, have you seen any, like, bad body imagery? Because I always, I've seen that in, like, some of my young cousins. Like, mm-hmm. they'll say an offhand comment or something, and I'm, I'm like, whoa, where did you hear that? Like, why are you thinking that so young about yourself? And I'm just curious if you've, if you've experienced that, I can imagine it's heartbreaking, heartbreaking, but. So the little ones, I love teaching my youngest group, which is about five to seven, because I can see that they have not been marred by any of this societal BS that every other woman does at some point. And it's interesting because I teach three different levels. So it's three different age groups. So the youngest ones, they're just so free. We do freeze dance and they don't care what they look like. Like they just have so much fun and it's really beautiful to witness. And it kind of reminds me of my inner child and it's really healing to be a part of. And then when they get a little bit older, you see their brains start to develop. You see that they have these, um, outside influences they're on their phones they have apple watches they're like doing all these things and i can really see how that influences them um and then as the levels progress it it's a little bit more apparent any kind of self-doubt or body image um and there is another thing that i notice is this frustration if they can't do something right away it's like oh i'm I'm terrible. Like yesterday I was teaching a pretty simple step, but if you've never done it before, it's really confusing. Like a double frappe with a beat. Um, I don't know if that makes any sense to you. Um, But my student was, she kind of looked at it and was like, what the heck is that? And then she just started crying. And I was like, it's okay. Like, we're just here to learn. Like you can mess up. I don't care. Like I try my best to encourage them to mess up and 
because in ballet the goal is perfection and that's made clear at a young age and I kind of I'm like the fun teacher like I'm like it's okay look terrible mess up like who cares so I, I try to encourage them as best I can and use positive reinforcement because I do see the self-doubt and I do see like them looking at themselves in the mirror and that sort of thing which is a little heartbreaking but it's also just a reality of being a woman you know yeah well that's beautiful that you are being such a positive and inspiring influence on them uh you know I, I'm sure some of those girls will I mean I know they will always think of you as that teacher so that is truly wonderful <laughs> thank you and so you mentioned earlier that you have moved into the you know yoga meditation holistic lifestyle that was you know you you went from east coast to west coast and so how did you find your way into the like holistic lifestyle and what sort of prompted this change um well i think it kind of all began back when i was in new york um at american ballet theater so i broke my foot and i was forced to sit out the met season which is like the highlight of our season it's at lincoln center and it's eight weeks of eight shows a week and it's really intense and it's it's just the most fun because it's kind of what you've been working for all year um but i was injured and so being in new york injured is kind of if you have a broken foot you have to walk everywhere like it's not good for that so i flew back home for the summer and i was staying at home and i i was really depressed because I had never been out before and I really didn't know how to reconcile my identity without going to ballet every day like what was I supposed to do with my time and at that time my body image and my disordered eating was at its peak I would say so getting injured and the I, the thought of not being able to dance or exercise I instantly my head was like I'm gonna gain a million pounds like I'm gonna come back for the season they're not gonna want me anymore because I'm gonna be out of shape all these crazy things so I started getting really into like the health world on Instagram because I wanted to heal my injury. And I knew that I kind of intuitively knew that my injury was a little bit deeper than just a broken foot. Like it was kind of a lifestyle thing. Um, didn't really know how to articulate that it was like an energetic thing as well um, because I was so negative about myself and always so hard on myself that I think that's kind of how my injury manifested as well. Um, so yeah, I started, I made this Instagram account because I was embarrassed that I was following all these health accounts on my personal one. Um, so I made an extra one so I could just be free to follow all of the health accounts and post like inspiration and recipes. And I was getting really into like veganism and eating more vegetables and eating the rainbow and all that sort of thing. Um, and then a really cool thing happened where I kind of found this community through Instagram. And I don't as much feel this now, but it was kind of, I mean, this was five or six years ago when Instagram first started. So it was a much smaller community. So it felt very tight knit and everyone was super supportive. And it wasn't anything like you hear about the online world at all. Like everyone was very supportive. Once you found your niche of like-minded people, everyone was supportive and encouraging and left really nice comments. And it, made me feel really good to find a community and that was centered around health and wellness. So yeah, that's how my Instagram began. And then 
it kind of, I just amassed a bunch of followers, which I did not expect to happen at all. Um, so that's kind of where my interest in health began. And then it's consistently been an interest of mine throughout my ballet career. And then that brought me out to LA because I had a layoff, like we had a layoff every year. So I decided to come out to LA and I interned with Sophie Jaffe of Philosophy Superfoods because I loved their products. So then when I got here, it opened my eyes to this whole other world of mindfulness, which was kind of the missing piece to my wellness puzzle. And then after I found that and my mind was stretched by this new experience of, find, of finding meditation and really that self-love piece, I couldn't go back to ballet after having experienced that. I needed to hone that before I could go back, essentially. So then I just stayed in LA and have been focusing on that mindfulness aspect of wellness pretty much ever since. And then that led me into yoga. I love that. <laughs> kind of a long-winded. <laughs> But. that was that was perfect and I'm curious so like meditation is something I'm still working on and I say working with great emphasis <laughs> because I've I've tried and failed I think I just need to get used to keep making it a routine and then I'll get better but so I'm curious how did how did you first learn meditation and what are maybe some tips you have for making it making it stick so yeah, so I landed in LA in this community of yoga teachers, and um, Sophie Jaffe actually was the first one to really introduce me to meditation, because before it wasn't as mainstream, and also because of that, it also felt like this kind of elitist, el elusive thing that only, you know, like, men, shirtless men on top of mountains with mala beads could do. Like, it just didn't feel like something that was accessible to me. Um, and then I remember the first time I did it, I was living with Sophie and we were living in the valley. So we had a pool in the backyard and she was like, come outside and meditate. We'll just do a five minute meditation. I was like, okay. And I like sat down and I like had one eye open <laughs> and then we started and then I was like, okay, I'm just going to like lean into this and just try it. And it was first thing in the morning. Like I hadn't had coffee. I'm such a coffee person. Like I need, even my roommate knows, like I can't have a conversation until I have coffee. Like that's just how I, my brain works. Um, so I hadn't had coffee. just went outside and did that. And I just felt this like sense of calm just wash over me. And I, and after we finished, um, Sophie asked me like if I felt any different in my body and I was like, yeah, I just feel really calm and I feel like I can hear the birds chirping clear and I like that sound. Like I liked that I could be aware of what was around me a little bit better. So that was when I first discovered the magic of it. And then when I did my first 200 hour yoga certification, which also kind of happened, I feel like everything lately in my life has happened by accident, but in the best kind of way. Um, so I just decided on a whim to do this 200 hour and that was a big component of it. Meditation more so than asana and teaching yoga itself, which is what I really needed and benefited from. I did my 200 hour with Jana Romer and 
every day we started in silence. So we weren't allowed to speak to each other, even if we saw each other on the street or parking or whatever. And then we would get inside and then sit in this huge circle and meditate for, I don't even know how long because I wasn't aware of time and it just, but I think we meditated for at least an hour. And at first it was really hard, but <laughs> being around people also doing the same thing. And she also guided us. And then I remember I asked her, I was like, I think I'm really bad at this. Like, am I just supposed to just sit there and not think? And she was like, oh my God, no, like, that's not the idea at all. Like, of course you're going to think, but the practice is stepping away from those thoughts and just observing them and like letting them float away without grabbing onto attachment. And I was like, Oh, so once I figured out that you couldn't be bad at meditation, I liked it a lot more because I was bad at it. I'm quoting bad because you can't actually be bad at meditation because it's literally just sitting and breathing. So that's something that everyone can do because it's involuntary. So there's no way to be bad at it unless you just don't do it or don't do it consistently. But if your mind is jumping all around, that doesn't mean that you're bad at it. That just means that, you know, you just need to sit and watch as the thoughts kind of bounce around and hopefully they settle and over time as you practice, they will. You mentioned she kind of like guided you through it. And yeah. the times that I have meditated, I'm such like a scatterbrain. Like I, I couldn't, I couldn't, you know, do the whole thought thing. So, <laughs> I, so I did like a guided one. And yeah. one of the first things they said was like, acknowledge your thoughts, but let them go like a thing of balloons. And Ever since then, when I do meditate, that's like been huge for me because I always have thoughts in my head. And before I thought I had to like eradicate them, which is impossible with my mind, but I can definitely like let them float away. So that, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> you should read um, or listen to it on an audiobook, uh, The Untethered Soul. Um, I think it's by Michael Singer. That was actually a required reading for my 200 hour. And it, Basically, a big idea of it is those thoughts that you think are not you, like you are not your thoughts, but you are the observer. So basically, your thoughts are like a movie or the actors in the play, and you are the audience member, and it's your choice if you want to believe those thoughts or attach yourself to them. And that idea really helped me with meditation as well. That whole book is great. Yeah, I just, I got it in the mail about two weeks ago. Oh, and oh my God, synchronicities. <laughs> honestly. <laughs> and no, I, I took it on, I was just in Texas, and I took it with me to read. But that was just, that was too much of a, like, fun, and we were just going constantly trip. I was like, I need, I need to be at home where I can go out, sit in the morning, like, you, like listen to the birds, be in nature, and just read the book, because I know it's going to change, like, my entire way of thinking. <laughs> but also, for me, I read a lot. I love reading. But for some reason, with meditation and self-help books, I cannot sit down. I don't know if this is just a block that I have, but it's really hard for me to sit down and read them. So audiobooks are game changers, because you can listen to it while you're taking a walk. I listen to that book every day while I would hike. So I'd just be like, walking and listening and absorbing rather than like having to sit and because a lot of it is dense so you can get distracted when you're reading it so I recommend that book as an audiobook particularly see I, I thought I was absolutely crazy because when I was younger I would read you know like fiction books 
I'd read them in like six hours. Yeah. Like I was a book like fanatic. Like that's what I was known for. And then I've been getting a lot of these, you know, self-help, meditation, spirituality books, and they're just stacking up <laughs> because I know. Oh, you know it's, it's like so odd. to read the four agreements and the four agreements is like the tiniest book. I don't know what it is, but it's also material that you really want to absorb. And it's, you know, it's the idea of it is to shift the way that you're thinking a lot of these books. So it's like a lot to digest. So even the audiobook is cool because you can listen to it multiple times because you miss something or, and it's just someone else is doing the work for you and you just have to listen. So and I don't really do audiobooks for fiction because I like to read, but for self-help and spirituality books, audiobooks are the move for me. Okay. I seriously thought I was like crazy because like I said, no. I could not read these and I love podcasts, like podcasts. I listen to them all the time. It's like listening to a podcast. Seriously. It's, it's so much better. Okay. Well, (laughs) you've influenced me to go get the audiobooks now. (laughs) Through these different transitions, how has your definition of success shifted over time from, you know, when you were in that intense ballet part of your life to, you know, now I know you're getting back into dance, but you're at a much, you know, I feel more slow, like being in the present moment phase of life. So how has your definition of success shifted with those transitions? Well, my definition of success my whole life um, was to be in the Court of Ballet of American Ballet Theater. I reached that goal when I was a teenager. So it's interesting because most people don't achieve their childhood dream. And then when you do, sometimes there can be a feeling of unfulfillment because that's not actually how you define success in reality when it comes down to it. Um, So learning that lesson early on is such a blessing because I know any goal that I have is, I mean, obviously I wanna work towards my goals still, but that's not the end all be all of happiness. So I think for me, success is just feeling happy in my everyday, the in-between, the people in my life, um, how I make other people feel, being someone that when someone says my name, the reaction is, oh, she's such a nice girl. Like, she's great. Um, That's kind of like just being a positive impact on people. That's kind of how, that's where my idea of success has shifted. It's a lot more outward and less inward. It's less about me and it's less ego and it's less about my goals and my achievements. And it's more about sharing that with others and being a light for other people. Um, I I still have a lot of goals that I want to work towards, but I think success for me is being happy with where I am every day. Once more, you've made a transition from, you know, two different avenues of life. So have your friendships evolved with you? Or is that something that you've kind of had to navigate, navigate through, whether that was you know, losing some friends, gaining new friends, or have you managed to grow alongside them throughout these changes? Um, I'm, I'm kind of one of those like quality over quantity people. Like I have a few like solid people in my corner that I will always be friends with no matter what. And like, believe it or not, a lot of them are from ballet, which is interesting. Um, 
And some of those friends don't dance at all anymore. Some of them are like me and they freelance. Some of them are still in that world completely, um, 100%, like in ballet companies. And we've all kind of diverged off of this initial point. And it's really beautiful to see that no matter how far our paths get away, we still can come together and have each other's backs. And yeah, I think now more than ever, my friends and my family are the most important thing to me. It wasn't always that way. I I felt really alone when I was in New York and dancing with American Ballet Theater because I didn't prioritize friends or family and I spent a lot of time alone and I just spent a lot of time with myself, which is great in small doses, but it's also important to cultivate the people around you. And um, I just feel so much happier having amazing people in my life that I can count on and they can count on me. And yeah, I think my life in LA, a lot, my friend group has shifted a lot just because LA is a little bit of a transient place. Like people come here for a few years and they leave, but I stay in touch with everyone. Um, one of my best friends, two of my best friends just moved to Australia and we, one of them, we talked for like three hours the other night, even though we're in like different time, like we're literally like in different days. It's crazy. Um, but I think when you want to make it work, my best friend just got married and I was her maid of honor. We hadn't seen each other for, I think like four years, we hadn't seen each other. And I showed up at her wedding to be her maid of honor, like no time had passed at all. Um, so yeah, those, I think keeping contact with people that you care about is super important. No, I, I agree. Like, like you said, with the friend you hadn't seen in four years, same thing, you know, whether for me it's like family members or friends, I just, I don't see, I used to think that you had to, you know, constantly be with them or you had to see them and be talking, you know, like pretty regularly to maintain a friendship. But then I, you know, met people and started realizing that we could go months without talking and then pick up again and be perfectly fine or see again and, you know, rush up, hug each other and enjoy our time together because that's just, that's like true friendship because it goes, it's, it's a deeper like level of it. Yeah. Yeah. My friend Kaylee and I, we talked about it later, like after her wedding, we were like, man, I was really worried that it was going to be awkward or like what happens if she shows up and she's my maid of honor and like, we don't get along anymore. And it was like, none of those worries were like, none of them were, it was just like no time had passed. We just hugged each other and we're just laughing and yeah, it's really special to have friendships like that, even if you're far apart. Mm -hmm. I saw this on your blog, and then you briefly mentioned in the beginning how you're going to Israel soon. How has travel been like a big part of your life? Whether, you know, in the past, I know you traveled with ballet, and now you're traveling with, are you going with the ja with the Jaffies? Yeah, well, yeah, we're all going together. Um, I just saw they yeah. posted they were going, too, and I was like, wait, <laughs> are they going? <laughs> yeah, actually, the Jaffies and our friend Kaylee, our friend Rochelle, and our friend Danny. Um, Danny and I are staying together, and then, like, we're all staying near each other, so it's going to be so fun, and I have family in Israel as well. Um, but yeah, my initial travel bug began when I was with ABT, and we, uh, ABT is a touring company, so they don't actually have a home theater. They just rehearse in New York, aside from the Met season. 
So we traveled all over the world. And that was when I was like, oh my God, this is like the best thing in the world. Like I never, just immersing myself in another culture is like the coolest thing to me. Um, And the thing is though, when you're on tour, you have, like we were in Australia for two weeks, for example, we had one day off, one day off. And we were doing Swan Lake, which is exhausting and your body hurts and everything hurts on your day off. We got a Thai massage and then ate some chocolate and then we went to a kangaroo and koala farm like and pet a koala. Um, But that was the only exploration of Australia that I did, despite the fact that I was there for two weeks on tour. So the thing is, when you're on tour, you don't really get to experience the place that you're in. It's like, oh, cool, I'm in wherever, but I'm working, you know. So then after I left ABT and I joined Colorado Ballet, one of the things it was when I made my pro and con list when I went to Colorado, it was like a con is that I'm not going to be able to travel anymore. But then I was like, wait, why don't I just save my money, like live frugally, save my money. And then when I have time off, just travel wherever I want to go and do whatever I want. I was like, wait, this is so much better. Like, cause when I was with ABT, I wasn't really traveling on my time off because we were traveling so much as it was. So I just wanted to be in New York. So this way I could travel on my own. And then ever since then I've gone like all over the world. I love traveling so much. It's like, so I try and do a trip at least every year out of the country. Last year I went to Spain with my brothers. The year before that I went to Israel on birthright. And then I did this like solo travel backpacking trip through Europe where I went to a bunch of islands in Greece and then Croatia and Serbia and back to Israel. And I just have never felt more alive than when I'm traveling. I love it so much. What do you think your favorite place has been? (sighs) I love Israel so much. Um, That's definitely one of my favorite places, specifically Tel Aviv. And then Greece, uh, Santorini, Greece is also another just it's so beautiful and I love Israel because the culture is so rich and the tradition and like where I stay in Tel Aviv like everyone shares the same faith everyone predominantly is Jewish in that area so um, Shabbat is really special because everyone kind of honors it in some way for the most part the store is shut down here when I take Shabbat it's it's not really the same because the world is still going so when I'm there it's just a really nice way to like check out not be on my phone just be with family and relax and it's like this magical quality in the air so that's really special about being there and it's just so fun like the nightlife is so fun like it's just it has everything it's so fun yeah I'm really excited to go (laughs) (laughs) I would be too yeah and then are you there like when you do these trips do you just go for like a week or do you do like a longer month or two or something span? I I do at least two weeks because I feel like LA is so far from Europe and the Middle East and pretty much everywhere where I want to go for the most part. So by the time I get there, I at least want to be there for two weeks. And the nice thing about my job is I can, I have flexibility. I can blog and do Instagram from wherever. Um, my yoga classes, I get covered, um, someone else subs them. And then I don't know how it's going to work because I'm signing with a dance agency, but, um, I think you would just write the dates that you're out of town. Um, 
so yeah, it's pretty easy to take time off. So I like to do a big chunk at a time. And I've done a lot of solo travel and I can't recommend it enough. Like it's, it's the best. I think everyone should at least once in their life, like go to a foreign land by themselves and just like figure it out, whether that's like Mexico or Europe or wherever, but you learn so much about yourself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I haven't gone out of the country yet, but even traveling, like I took my first solo trip and my first trip to the West Coast at the same time in the fall. And then I did it again early spring. And both times, you know, there was moments where I was, I felt like I was way over my head. You know, I just wasn't accustomed to travel. Yeah. <laughs> Big airports in LA. A and, lot. Like little things happened, you know, like it made me feel like a failure. But then afterwards I reflected on it. It's like, wow, like even that little week-long trip taught me so much about myself about you know like my beliefs like what scares me what excites me so I can't imagine like going out of the country would probably just be like otherworldly <laughs> well it's kind of nice going somewhere that's so foreign I, I did find when I was in Croatia that was when I mean that was maybe week three or four of my trip so I was like kind of ready to go home and I was in Croatia and I ran out of money so I couldn't go to Dubrovnik which is the place where everyone says to go it's the most amazing city and it's on the coast and then Split is just north of there and that's another good place to go but I didn't have enough money for there either so I went to Zadar and I, I flew into Zagreb, which is like here inland, and it's the capital. And then I took an eight-hour bus to Zadar, and I stayed at an Airbnb, and my Airbnb host was like, why are you here? Like, it's, there are some tourists, but he was like, why would you come here from America? Like, that's so weird. Like, why are you not in Dubrovnik? And I was like, it's a long story. And then he was like, but like, where's your husband? <laughs> and I was like, oh, I don't have one. And he was like, okay, well, how did you like, how are you here? Like, where did you get money to come here? I was like, I worked and I saved it. <laughs> like, he just like couldn't wrap his head around like a young woman traveling alone. And he was like, okay, like here are the keys, like have fun. <laughs> and no one spoke English there. And the food was very weird. And I was just like, I'm ready to get out of here. But it also like to sit in that discomfort alone. And most of my travels, I really put myself out there and I meet new people here. It was hard to meet people because people weren't really friendly and they didn't speak English so much. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to sightsee by myself and like get an ice cream cone by myself and, you know, do everything alone. And it, it really forced me to sit with myself, which I think we don't really do because we're on our phones all the time. We're around people. Like people are always talking to us and asking for things and, it's really easy to get distracted. And that was one time where I was like, okay, like for the next three days, like I'm just, it's just you and me, me, <laughs> you know, like note to self. Um, and I was so proud of myself after that because I was like so over it and I made it through and yeah, it was a really great sense of accomplishment and I did end up really enjoying it. So. It's very, it's very humbling too. I think to, like you said, be upset with yourself, be upset with the circumstances, yet say, well, I'm, I'm doing this, I'm making the most of it. And yeah, I just, afterwards, it's a very humbling 
um, you know, appreciative feeling that you get yeah. from it. So you're also like, how can I complain? Like I'm in wherever it is <laughs> and you know, like I, I can't complain about traveling the world, but it's, it's still, it can be hard. No, definitely. <laughs> and so you mentioned this before, but, and you said you signed on to a dance agency, but if you could just give us like a brief, so you're, you're returning to ballet or just dance in general? Um, well, dance in general, but I'm a ballet dancer, so. Okay. <laughs> <both>. <laughs> um, but I do contemporary as well, but like my background and my training is super classical. Um, I don't really know how it's going to work, um, but I'm signing with an agency and for commercial work. So that's pretty much anything that's in front of a camera. And a lot of that takes place out here in LA. So I'm just kind of going into it as I'm just open. I, I don't know that there are tons of jobs for ballet dancers because commercial work is typically hip hop dancers, but there's stuff here and there. So it, it, it's nice because I think it's going to give me um, kind of a reason to go to ballet class every day and to stay in ballet shape and keep my technique up versus just taking class endlessly to just take ballet class, which is nice in itself. But for me, I like to have something to work towards. So I think it'll give me a good, and like, who knows, I could, you know, there could be really cool opportunities. Um, I, I think I went to a show or I was at Coachella or something and I saw a performer and there were dancers behind him um it was a rapper actually and it was contemporary dancers and I was like oh like I could do that that would be so cool to do that so that's kind of what I'm trying to go towards now and I have so much other stuff going on in my life where if it doesn't work out exactly as I want think I want it to like I have other things going on versus before when I was in ballet all in I had nothing going on outside of it like I didn't even know who I was without ballet. Um, so my headspace now is just so much better and more balanced and I feel more well-rounded and yeah. And I think by removing that pressure to make a living off of it or to, you know, have this crazy idea of, you know, like a success point you want to reach or removing like all those little pressure points allows you to have a lot more fun with it too, I can imagine. And just take whatever opportunity pops your way, whatever sounds right. And I mean, you and I, like, we both know crazier things have happened. Like, who knows? Maybe next year you'll be, like, up on Coachella stage, like, dancing behind somebody. Like, you never know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah, it's, it's, I'm just open to whatever. So it's, it's a nice place to be in rather than just, like, having such a specific goal. Um, but, yeah grateful yeah but that's wonderful and do you have an idea like where is your journey headed towards now so you're about to go to Israel and then you're starting to get back into dance you're doing yoga meditation are there any other things like on your horizon that you want to get into or you currently are yeah so um well with I think with everything like all the different facets of my life I have different goals so for yoga, I really want to acquire a Katona yoga certification. Katona yoga is the style that I teach, and it's a really amazing, um, very specific Hatha-inspired practice that's also draws from Taoist principles and 
it's helped me immensely with, I mean, with my relationship to yoga completely blossomed after I found this practice and my teaching people love it. And it's also helped me with dance and rehabilitating my body. So I really want to get my official certification in that. Um, and then with dance, yeah, I'm just open to what happens. I want to be doing consistent work. I want to be rehearsing. I want to have performances. I want to have things that I'm working towards, um, hopefully without that pressure. Um, and then what else? With my blog, I really want to continue to expand that. And maybe I've been like dancing with the idea of making a YouTube channel for like years now. But I have this kind of fear that, you know, it's too late to get into that game. But I, I think that's more, I think that more has to do with like my fear of, you know, just like the vulnerability of starting a new platform and like being in front of people in that way. So I kind of want to look at that and see if that's something that I want to do or just continue to blog or like continue just growing and hopefully inspiring people. And yeah. I love that. And I would say that I think you'd be amazing on YouTube. I know, it's very, I know it's very like packed on there and that's what everyone told me when I wanted to start a podcast, but like even just starting this out, I've had so many people you know, say how they enjoy it or say how it's impacted them, inspired them, influenced them. And that just like fills me up enough to keep going at it. And I, I think with your personality and all that you have going on, a YouTube channel would be amazing. <laughs> so I will say that. Thank you for the encouragement. Yeah. My, it's funny because my, my friend's brother works for YouTube and I saw him the other day and he was like, like I, he told me like five years ago to start a YouTube and I was like, oh, I don't know how to do that. And then he was like, you know, like you could be a successful YouTuber by this point. And I was like, ah, oh, no, it's just, yeah, it's also very time consuming too. And like learning how to edit videos and all that, but it's something that's been requested also by my audience. They want like yoga videos or recipes and stuff like that. So I know there are, there are at least a handful of people that, would enjoy the content hopefully so definitely something I want to work towards yeah well keep us updated <laughs> that being said so if people want to follow along and just I love your Instagram page I've had people reach out to me on when they saw I was interviewing you they're like oh my gosh I love her page I love her <laughs> so where can people find you and follow along um, yeah, so my Instagram is healthy underscore ballerina and my website is www.healthyballerina.com. So those are kind of the best places to find me. Um, you can subscribe um, to my website also. There's a tab to do that and hopefully maybe YouTube at some point in the future. <laughs> that would be amazing. Well, <laughs> Thank you. And we'll just close up with some really quick rapid fire questions, if that's okay. Yeah, sure. Okay. What is your favorite yoga pose? Um, if you can choose. <laughs> my favorite? Oh my God. I literally change it every single day. I think um, rounded plow. Nope. I take it back. Um, bound lotus in reclined bridge. I love yoga, but I do not know names, but that, that sounds like it would be very, like, good stress 
stretch relief, I assume, but I'll send you, yeah, I'll send you a picture. It's like Lotus uh-huh. in a bridge on a block and it just resets your SI joint and it is the best thing ever. Yeah. So, send me a picture because I need to research. I really want to like delve deeper into yoga and actually learn what I'm doing when I do these videos. So, okay. If you could meet anyone past or present, who would it be? Meet anyone. Um, Mother Teresa. I love <laughs> that. Weird. No, no, we've had everyone from Beyonce to Michelle Obama to like actresses and now Mother Teresa. I love it. I, I did a research project on her in third grade and I've just like always been fascinated by her. No, I, I think that's amazing to be honest. <laughs> my teacher was like, why would you pick Mother Teresa? Because it was, it was like a, someone you admire research project and I picked Mother Teresa and she's like, that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> you were the first for that one. <laughs> and then we had to dress up like the, the character or whoever it was so I wore like a washcloth on my head. Is there photo evidence of this? Oh, I'm sure. My Oh my god, my mom has like archives. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> well, I love that. That's a new one. I love it. <laughs> okay, and last one. If you could yell one piece of advice from the rooftops for all to hear, what would it be? One piece of advice. Um, I would say love yourself more. I support. I love that. <laughs> Yeah, trust the timing of your life. So important. Well, thank you so much. This has been an absolute pleasure. I'm laughing and smiling and feeling inspired. So thank you. And especially because I know how busy you are and you have this trip coming up. So your time is very much appreciated. Oh, thank you. Such a pleasure. Um, I'm so glad we finally got to do this. I just loved this episode because we hit so many points. At first, I was afraid that we had gone a little too off topic, but I think we really hit so many good critical points that can relate to such a wide audience of people. And I think that is, you know, one of the best things to do in a podcast interview. Besides that, I've also, you know, just really taken her advice. Like I said in the intro, I read The Untethered Soul, mind-blowing. I'm really working on, you know, just getting a good meditation technique down and a routine for it because it's beneficial for mind, body, spirit. I think anyone and everyone can benefit from it. So that's something I'm still working on. And, you know, just following along on her travels on Instagram and her posts are so inspiring and raw and true. She is just a beautiful soul. I'm just so honored to, you know, have recorded with her and to follow along on her journey, her travel. So if you like today's show, let us know. I'm sure she would love to hear. I know I would love to hear. You can share on Instagram or you can go on iTunes, leave a rate, review, subscribe. I'm going to keep this short because as you guys know, I'm packing for Malibu and I'm currently in Malibu as you listen, but follow along on Instagram. And if you want to find her, she's at on Instagram at healthy underscore ballerina. I am thrive underscore on life. That's all for today, folks. I'll see you next week. Bye.